Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly in for... No, I did it again. In for nobody. In for myself on a Sunday morning. So used to saying in for Big Daddy Graham. Uh, but uh, not tonight. Uh, just, you know, in for myself on a Sunday morning. Uh, plenty of stuff to get to throughout the show after what has been a crazy week. Uh, not necessarily in Philadelphia sports, but um, in the United States as the election is finally completed. Uh, Joe Biden will be the 46th president in a matter of, I guess, a couple months now. Um, so a wild week, but we will uh, talk some sports tonight uh, after, um, well, as we head toward, uh, as we get past the Eagles bye week, which is always kind of a, a disappointing Sunday where, you know, talking about it with Paul, it is nice to watch the rest of the games and get to focus your energy on that. Um, but, you know, it is disappointing going into a, a Sunday or uh, a Monday night where there's no Eagles football. And the bye week always feels like it takes a long time. Um, it did this week as well. And we now look forward uh, to the second half of the season. So we'll talk a lot about that and, you know, what we can expect from the Eagles moving forward here in the second half. Um, we'll also get to the Sixers a little later on with the off-season activities. I guess Paul was right, technically. The off-season has already started, but the activity portion of the off-season, starting in, I guess, a couple weeks. Uh, the season's starting December 22nd, so not a lot of time here. I, I think camps are supposed to open on December 1st. Um, so the draft is, I believe, next Wednesday. Uh, so I'm sure we'll start hearing some rumors this week about what the Sixers are going to do, whether they're going to make any big trades, um, whether they can get out of Al Horford's contract will, I'm sure, be a story. And, you know, things we're looking at with them. Also, the Phillies with the Major League Baseball offseason getting underway and already the Phillies being embarrassed by a division rival. So we'll get to that throughout the show as well. Um, but first, I want to start with the Eagles here, with the second half of the season uh, looming. And this week has been very much about dissecting this team at the halfway point and looking at where they have done reasonably well and where they need to improve. And obviously a lot of that has started with the play of Carson Wentz, which we will get to um, as well. I know a lot of people are tired of talking about Carson Wentz. Uh, the afternoon show had their LTBB convention uh, yesterday, which I got to say, I, 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 
I don't. I don't really get the LTBB convention. I don't. Kyle, what do you think of that? What do you, What do you think of? You know, we need. We're doing something now where we need a four hour positivity session on Carson Wentz. <laughs> uh, we're We're not allowed to. Uh, I, I tweeted it. I tweeted it out that I'm a Carson Wentz supporter, but if we can't like fairly criticize him anymore, I'll I'll rip up my card. Yeah, you know what. I think he uh, he definitely deserves some criticism here, and he, he needs to take accountability. I'm with you. I think uh, it's it's a little too early to be doing that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if if he was playing great, that would be a different story. But um, I think it's fair to evaluate the quarterback's play and point out where the weaknesses have been this year. And we'll get to that in a couple minutes. Um, but I, I kind of want to know to start the show – what can we expect from the Eagles in the second half of the season? Like, what is reasonably fair to expect here? Because you look at the first half, there have been, you know, a lot of ups and downs. And at 3-4-1, and one, you got to be feeling very fortunate to be in the position you're in, which is leading the NFC East. Um, very rarely. Can a team have that kind of record at this point and be in a position of power? That that's just uh, speaks more to the division and the problems that other teams have had in the division much more than it does the Eagles, um, because the Eagles have been inconsistent. And you know, you look at the issues, whether it be the turnovers or the inconsistent play of the defense at times, or the play of the offensive line, play of the skill position guys. And um, there have been some bright spots, certainly. Travis Fulgham emerging the way he has in the first half has been a real bright spot, and not a bright spot that I think is going to go away anytime soon. You know, you'll see at times guys step up, guys going through decent runs, and, you know, they'll go away very quickly. I don't see that happening with Travis Fulgham. I think Travis Fulgham is here to stay as a difference-making player on this offense and a guy that can be a a, a legitimate weapon for this team for years to come. You know, I, I think we have seen at times this offense get hot this season, whether it's the Pittsburgh game, whether it's the fourth quarter against the Giants or Baltimore, yet they've struggled at the same time. And you look at Washington, you look at Cincinnati, you look at the Rams, two games where your offense probably probably cost you because of turnovers and not being able to move the ball. You look at the defense, same thing, inconsistency, where you go up in the San Francisco game and then uh, the Giants game, the Dallas game, where the defensive line plays pretty well. Defensive line gets to the quarterback, makes plays, creates turnovers. But then other games, like Pittsburgh, like the Rams, where they don't give you much of a chance to win. And a lot of it comes down to inconsistency. And which Eagles team can we expect in the second half here? And, you know... What can we reasonably hope for? And when I say reasonably hope for, I'm not just talking about the division. The Eagles should clearly win the division. Uh, that, that's, 
I don't think that's questionable in anybody's mind. And I don't think that's a Eagles homer take either. I think pretty much anybody would tell you the Eagles have the most talent. The Eagles should have the best quarterback. The Eagles have the most accomplished coach. The Eagles have the most experience. And they should not only win this division, but they should win it rather easily. That being Settle s- down just a little bit. That being said, um, crazier things have happened. I mean, you look at Washington, that is a pretty decent defensive team where if they get uh, anything from their offense, they could give you some trouble. The Giants, um, as poor as Daniel Jones can play sometimes, there are other times when he runs that offense uh, rather well. And uh, their defense certainly looked on Monday night a lot better than they've looked in the past. They gave Tom Brady and that Tampa Bay offense some trouble in that game. So when you look at it, I'm looking not just at the division, but is it fair to expect or fair to even hope that this Eagle team can go a little deeper? Is it reasonable to hope that they can kind of iron out some of these consistency issues? whether it was on the defensive side of the ball, whether it is Carson Wentz's play at quarterback, whether it is the play calling that has been uneven at times, maybe Doug going away from the run too much, uh, getting a little pass happy, being too aggressive as far as pushing the ball down the field. What do you believe is reasonable to expect from the Eagles in the second half of the season? Do you think they can iron out their consistencies and maybe do a little more than just winning the NFC East. I, I know that's what we've talked about uh, the majority of the time so far, because that is, at this point, the outcome that looks the most attainable for this team. But do you think we can expect more? Do you think we can hope for more? Uh, and also throughout the course of the night, we'll start doing grades um, for some of the players and some of the coaches offensively. We'll probably get to defense tomorrow. We'll see how the show's go, show goes. Um, but we will uh, do some grades for some of the guys on offense, not just the players, but the coaching staff as well. Uh, but I want your take on the first half of the season and what can we reasonably expect from the Eagles in the second half? How can they secure this division? And what do they need to do to potentially even advance further and really play better in the second half of the year. They're a three, four and one team by record. Um, but you know, you look at some of these games, they certainly have the potential, uh, to be better, uh, potential to be worse too. But, um, certainly I could see this team, uh, being five and three, uh, just playing a, a few games, a little cleaner Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to join the show, let's get it started with Scott in Dallas. What's up, Scott? What's going on, Tom? How's it going? Oh, not too bad. Uh, to really win some games, Carson Wentz has got to be better. I-, I mentioned this to Joe on Friday night. It's, you know, we have the LTBB community. Lately, it's been the WCBB, the Watch the Bronco Break. It- it's been terrible lately. It- let me give you some stats. He's the most... Second most pressured quarterback in the NFL. He's been blitzed 116 times. He has the third worst bad throw percentage in the NFL. He has 
the third worst on-target throw percentage in the NFL. Teams are recognizing that he can't read the defense. He's has his throws are taking 2.8 seconds in the pocket. It's the second or third worst in the NFL as far as holding on to the ball. He has to be better. I'm hoping the guy can turn it around, but we can win some games. I keep hearing callers calling and talk about how he doesn't have receivers, how he doesn't have this, his offensive line. It's his offensive line since week one has been fairly decent. He's holding on to the ball. You watch the Cowboys game. Those two fumbles are his. He's got that first fumble. He's literally watching the guy come at him and holds on to it. The second one, he has two receivers sitting there where the linebacker blitzed from. They can't see them. I mean, it's fundamentals that he's literally missing on that he has to get better with, Tom. Yeah, no, Scott, I, I agree with a lot of your saying of what you're saying. And I think with Carson in the first half, what has been alarming to me, and you mentioned it as well, is his inability to to process information. Where you know, at this point in his career. This is a fifth-year quarterback, and sometimes blitzes are going to get home. Sometimes you're not going to be able to get rid of the ball. That's going to happen. Nobody never gets sacked. Nobody never turns the ball over. But the frequency in which that's happening is troubling, and the fact that Carson doesn't seem to see a lot of these things and diagnose defenses and do a lot of the things that a fifth-year quarterback should be proficient at at this point in his career is worrisome because this is not a first or second year guy anymore. And I think way too many times we treat him like that. We do. And, and it's so frustrating because I keep hearing people get on Doug and it's like, how can Doug have a good game plan when his quarterback can't even make the on schedule plays? It's like, you got to be able to read when a linebacker's blitzing you up the middle to see your hot read. You got to be able to see, okay, I've got a blitz coming. I got to get this ball out quickly. When you're scrambling out of the pocket and you're watching that safety come at you and you're just standing there and then you get blown up and take a hit and fumble the ball, it's like you clearly knew that guy was coming at you. What are you doing? What's, what, why? It's like, it's like I, I, just, I get so frustrated when people calling out Doug because, like, what can an offensive play caller do? When his quarterback can't make the smart play, the simple play, the thing to extend a drive, it's like the Doug's probably lost that. Like, well, I got to get my quarterback first to stop turning the ball over and just make the simple read. Yeah, no, I hear you, Scott, and I appreciate the call. And I, I think they're good points. Um, and I know a lot of the Carson Wentz hardcore fan group has, uh, I guess you can call it the LTB B community has taken offense to the criticism lately, but it's fair. I mean, you're talking about a guy in his fifth year who through eight games has turned the ball over 16 times. That is not sustainable. You know who else in his fifth year had turned the ball over 16 times through eight games? Jameis Winston last year, except the other numbers, the yards per game, touchdowns per game, all this other stuff was better for Jameis Winston. Where's he right now? He could not get any sort of a starting job, got paid a couple million a year to be a backup down in New Orleans, where he's essentially the third-string quarterback because Taysom Hill. That's the kind of production that we've gotten from Carson Wentz this year. And 
I have been a Carson Wentz supporter too. But you got to acknowledge where we're at. And you got to acknowledge the way he's played. And the way he's played this year is wildly concerning. You can't turn the ball over at this rate. You need to be able to process information better. And we'll talk about it more next segment because we'll start giving out some of these grades here. I want to grade Carson Wentz's performance this year um, because it hasn't been anywhere near the level that the Eagles needed to be at. Are there some extenuating circumstances? Sure. Um, but everybody deals with those in this league. There are a lot of quarterbacks that don't have optimal uh, optimal situations, optimal weapons. You look at Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, Devontae Adams is a great player. He's a great receiver. For years, Aaron Rodgers didn't have much. They have never drafted a first-round receiver in Aaron Rodgers' time in Green Bay. And aside from Devontae Adams, he's never had anything to throw the ball to. Tom Brady in New England has had, you know, weapons at times, um, certainly with Gronk and Edelman and those guys, but, you know, last year he didn't have much. Still was able to get his team uh, to the playoffs and win, what, 12 games last year, 11 games last year. And that was, an old, you know, an older Tom Brady. But for Carson Wentz in his fifth year, a guy in his prime, uh, yeah, everything's not perfect, but he should be doing more with the talent that he has than he has so far this year. So we'll grade Carson Wentz's performance when we get back. Um, but I want, if you want to, you know, grade Wentz, grade anybody else uh, on the team, I'd love to hear from you. And what do you think is fair to expect from the Eagles in the second half of the season? 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494. If you want to get in, I'm Tom Kelly with Till 6 Sports Radio 94 WYP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly. Uh, with you till 6. If you want to get in, open lines right now. Good time to get in. 215-592-9494. And what's been a tiring, tiring week. Um, I mean, I did a bunch of overnights this week. That's part of the reason why I'm tired. I better not start you complaining about these overnights. No, 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 Kyle. That's not what I'm doing. I'm so <laughs> and And... Kyle, you're the last person I should be complaining to. You are, you are the hardest working man at WIP. I think. Thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, what you're doing on like a weekly basis is I'm here you're working a bunch day. of crazy shifts every day. At least I have some sort of stability. <laughs> yeah. But because you did the morning show the last couple weeks, uh, yes, I have, and then I still got a Monday and Tuesday. Oh, you do? Yeah. Dan Donnelly's not back from not quarantine back yet. yet. No, he had to. Uh... I think he had to get a negative test back. Okay. Oh, so I got Angelina tomorrow? Yeah, he did. Oh, God. Oh, bummer, no, man. That, that is sorry, frustrating. Dude. I'm sorry. But did a lot of overnights. The election coverage, you know, it's hard to get away from. How much did you of the election coverage did you watch this week, Kyle? Uh, you know, I had it on in the background. Because, okay. like, it's, you know, eventually they're just saying the same thing over yeah. and over again. So, like, I really only looked up when I saw some breaking news. And usually my phone would light up when something happened anyway. Right. Just, like, you know, because everyone's talking about it. So Yeah, it's one of those things. I, I find it fascinating. Like, and I think whatever side you're on, it is interesting. Like, uh, the, uh, I, I, I was mentioned earlier this week, that guy, John King, and all these map guys are yeah. just, they're incredible. How they yeah. know every county. Yeah, yeah, well, they, yeah, I guess they, that takes a lot of studying, I'm sure. So it's like, do you think, uh, 
think their job is harder or uh, Scott Hansen's? Oh, I think, <laughs> well, probably Hansen's yeah. just because you got individual. things change every week. Like That's true. these map guys, they have been studying four years for this moment. Right. So they're extremely prepared. And I guess the math is pretty cut and dry. Yeah. Sometimes. And like you said, it's many times just the same thing over and over. Right. Again. Exactly. So, um, but you know, it, it's, it's um, the election, at least, is uh, behind us now. No more election coverage. No more calls and texts and all that stuff, which, uh, you know, everybody gets a lot of. Unfortunately, I have a feeling that things are we're not totally out of the woods with the election stuff. Oh, well, yeah, well, agreed. But yeah, we're, we're not out we'll, of the we'll woods. Digress. <laughs> there, there's a, yeah, there's a lot of things to get sorted out, um, but. You know, at least there there's some kind of resolution, I guess. So uh, we'll just we'll just leave it there. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, five nine two two one five five nine two nine four nine four. But uh, discussing the Eagles to start the show, and we don't have to just talk about the Eagles tonight um, because you know I I understand that throughout the bye week, you know, you kind of go around in circles a little bit. It's kind of like the election coverage. Where by week, you know, there's not a lot of new stories out there. Um, so anything you want to get in on tonight, you're welcome to. Uh, because, you know, the bye week is a slow time for us in sports radio, too. You know, I guess all things considered, the timing of the election and the bye week for, you know, if you're an Eagles fan. and Yeah, for us, it wasn't that bad. stuff, yeah. Yeah. For us, it, it, it wasn't that bad in terms of, in terms of watching, but... Um, you know, the, the, with the bye week, it's like, there aren't a lot of new storylines popping up. Uh, so if you want to get in on anything else, you're welcome to, you want to get in on the NFL Sunday slate, which Kyle and I will go through a little later on. We'll also do a college football recap later on as well, which how beautiful is it to see Penn state just have their season already in shambles. Dude, they're so bad. To his little brother yeah. carved him up on yeah, Saturday. Yeah, he did, man. He look. I like that kid. Yeah, he looks good. He's good, and he. I don't know what it is. Like, he looks more natural. Um, sorry, I just saw something funny on my timeline. There, the ref during this Texas game. Did you see this? No, I didn't see it. All right, I'll well, have to look it up. Yeah, I'll, I'll for the recap. I'll tell you during the break. Um, but uh. The, the, um, the, what was I just talking about? Man, I'm the all, uh, uh, to his his little brother, to his little brother. Right. (laughs) He looks more natural to me because he's right-handed. I I completely agree. The left-handed thing is it's, it's the ugliest thing in in the NFL. The two, a combo now, not only being left-handed, but I feel like being left-handed and being number one, I it's, it's an odd combo. It is. It's not, it's not appealing to the eye. I'd say. Yeah. So wait, how do you say his little brother's name? I don't know. I don't know <laughs> I what his first name it. is. I just know it's, it's like Tua, it's like Tualia. Really? It's like yeah, it's like Tua, but like he has an L I A at the end or something like that. I okay, I'll, I just, I'll have to look up their pronunciation. Yeah, I just call. I, I think it's Tagovailoa, but yeah, that, that's uh, yeah. the last name. Right, 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 right. I I don't know uh, his brother's first name, but we might have to start getting used to it because that kid's pretty good. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, two one five five nine two nine four nine four. Uh, talk about the Eagles, what you can expect. Also, um, whatever you want to throw in there. But we're going to do some grades tonight for some of the guys on offense. Uh, defense, we'll see if we get to, might have to get to it 
in the next couple nights. I'm on the next two nights. Uh, so whatever we don't hit tonight, we will um, get to over the next couple of days here. But um, we will start with Carson Wentz. And, you know, how you grade him out so far. And I think there's a pretty wide range of opinion here as far as how he's played. Um, I look at Carson Wentz, and I've been disappointed. I've been disappointed with this play this year. It hasn't been good enough. It hasn't been good enough in terms of protecting the ball. Decision-making has gone backward. Um, Not reading the defense, not making quick reads, and that stuff's on him. Like, does some of it have to do with the coaching staff? Sure. Some of it has to do with the offensive line? Sure. Receivers, same. But when you're in your fifth year especially, you need to make the guys around you better. And part of why I hold Carson Wentz to such a high standard is because we have seen him in the past have that ability to make his teammates better, to make his offense better, to do the things necessary to improve on that side of the football and and make the things or make the sum look better than just the individual parts. And this year he hasn't done that. Um, I don't think Carson Wentz has seen the field very well this year. That's first where I'll start. I think that's where all of his issues really emanate from is the fact he's not seeing the field. How many times do we see plays that should just be quick reads? Ball's not out. Ball's not on time. And, yeah, it's just one play on Sunday night. But you look back at that game, and I'm not saying bench Carson Wentz, so don't take it this way. But Jalen Hurts comes in. There was a play that is specifically designed. Quick read, get it out. Jalen Hurts sees where the matchup is. Fulgham on the outside one-on-one. Boom. Quick read. Gets it out. 10 yards first down. We're not seeing enough of that from Carson Wentz. I think part of that is because he is obsessed with pushing the ball down the field. He is obsessed with making these big plays. And I don't know if it stems from frustration the last couple years because the big plays haven't been there, but he seems very hesitant to take the easy throw. Troy Aikman said it at one point during the Giants game. He hit a pass underneath. Troy Aikman said that plays there whenever Carson Wentz wants it. He's just not taking it. And, you know, when you don't read defense as well or you're hesitant with the ball to just get it out, that causes a whole other host of problems. Then you're holding it too long. Then, you know, you're throwing into coverage. You're committing fumbles. It's making the job of your offensive linemen harder. It's making the job of the coaches harder because they can't trust you to get the ball out. Carson Wentz also, you know, his legs are a great weapon that he is hesitant to use. And I I like when he buys himself time, but sometimes when there's a lane, just run. Just take off and go. I heard Donovan McNabb say it on, I believe it was Zach Gelb's show the other day, where if, if it's not there through the air, just take off and go. Because Carson Wentz, is he as good a runner as he used to be? Maybe not as quick, but he's still a weapon there. And he's got to start using um, his legs more. Maybe to offset 
the offensive line to offset um, some of the receivers not getting open as quickly as he'd want them to. But I grade Carson Wentz's play this year. I'd say I'd say it's about a D. Um, it hasn't been good enough. It hasn't been even average. And regardless of what you can expect from this team, what we hope to see from this team in the second half, it's their results aren't going to get significantly better unless Carson Wentz plays significantly better. I think that's pretty clear. I, I agree. I think the only thing that would be holding you back from giving the guy an F, I mean, based on the expectations, you would probably like you would probably say that he's playing like an F, but it's, you know, with the players around him and the coaching not necessarily putting him in the right situation sometimes. I think that's the only thing that would keep me from giving him a straight up F because that's, you know, really how he's been playing. And I I mean there have been points he's played okay, like the fourth quarters, fourth sure. quarter against Giants, fourth quarter against the Ravens. I personally thought his best game this year was clearly the Pittsburgh game. I agree. And even in that one, he threw the bad interception, but on that I did think there should have been a flag. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, the Pittsburgh game, do you agree, Kyle, that that's the one game where he really seemed confident in his decision-making? I totally agree. I think he was – that was, like, definitely the sharpest we've seen him. Mean, he looked like he was accurate delivering the ball. But then he turns around and has a game week against Dallas, and which was, I think, probably the worst game of his entire career. Right, and <laughs> it's what's frustrating, and it's because it's so odd. Like, the Pittsburgh defense, that's probably the best defense he's faced all year. Yeah. And the Dallas defense is by far the worst defense he's faced that all year. That maybe he'll ever face in his life. Right, so <laughs> why he can play, and that's what's, what's irritating about it, is because you know he has the capabilities to do it. Against good competition. You know, and against Pittsburgh, he was confident. He was making the right reads. He was making good throws. Um, you know, had a bad drop even in the end zone with Hightower in that game. But uh, it was by far his best game of the year. Then you go against Dallas, and I don't know, it almost seemed like he was kind of messing around in the first half. Like, he knew that eventually they could turn it on when they needed to, that's a dangerous game to start playing. It is, and you know what? I think that's an interesting point because his body language kind of after he, like, you know, he had those few turnovers, but then he went back out and put a nice drive together where we took the lead, and you could kind of see him leave the field like, okay, like, that's what I that's what I do. You know, I was just like, I don't know. I, I The body language, I think, definitely suggests what you just said. Right, yeah, and I think it's something that um, he's got to improve, and he's got to realize that you can't just turn the the turn turn on the switch. You can't just flip the switch. It's got to be consistent. And uh without that consistency, this Eagles team is going to have a rough second half. 215-592-9494. Let's go to Paul in Downingtown. What's up, Paul? Hey, what's up, DK? How's it going, man? Yeah, I I, I agree the Eagles uh second half of the season is going to be brutal. Um but well, let I, don't, me, uh, I don't know if I I don't know if it's going to be brutal. Uh they I mean they could go three and three in the next six. They could go zero and six. They could go two and four. But I don't see a scenario where it's any better than three and three. Yeah, these these um, next two, they 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 gotta they gotta I think win these next two because then the, those three after that with New Orleans, Seattle, Green Bay are a really tough stretch. Yeah, and I'm not going to argue uh, Carson too much. It's clearly so far the worst year of his career, including his rookie year when he was you know thrust into the NFL with mm-hmm. you know two weeks notice more or less. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I will say this, um, Doug's play calling, um, puts Carson in, in a bad place uh, on several different fronts because 
his skew, the, the, the way that he just really ignores the running game and, and is, it is past happy. It allows the defense to really dictate to the Eagles offense what's going to happen on each play. Carson is basically working uphill on each and every play because of the imbalance in the offense and what the defense is able to do because of that. And that just exacerbates the, everything that's going wrong with him this year, that it's his worst year. You know, so Doug's not helping him at all. And in practice, the little bit that's available in terms of, you know, public information from practice suggests that a lot of times, you know, when the first team offense is practicing, Carson's first reads are immediately available to him. You know, like it, it just kind of works that way. And even in high school, you know, coaches specifically will take the first and second reads away so that their high school quarterback has to work through his progressions in practice because, you know, that translates into game day function. And, you know, that's an important thing that, that, that Doug can do for him. And at least from the outside looking in, it, it doesn't seem like it's being done because Carson has regressed in, in, in almost every area that, that you can chart. Um, he's had some outstanding games, um, but, you know, he's, he's really struggled. And, and a lot of times, too, he's walking up, looking over the line of scrimmage, and the play clock is at eight seconds, seven seconds. So it doesn't give him time, doesn't give the offense time to, to make corrections, to make calls. And the predictability of the offense, I mean, everybody in the league is aware of the fact that when Carson Wentz says kill, they've just switched to a running play. You, you know, and, and Doug doesn't do anything about that. And, you know, the predictability of the offense um, it really hurts the team, you know, and I think it's your job as coach, you know, to mitigate when your players are struggling, not exacerbate the issue. Yeah, no, I, 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 I hear what you're saying, Paul, and I don't know, I don't know what the deal is with that. I don't know why the play calling and why, you know, um, Carson's decision making has regressed to this point. I, I do wonder with the play calling, though, you know, you look at it seems like Carson is checking things. All the time. Now, uh, what degree do you think is Carson kind of checking to some of these plays and maybe making some of the wrong checks? You know, that's that's hard to determine from the outside looking in. Right. From, from my reading, I would say that, that that really doesn't seem to be the case. But Doug kind of also seems to be the kind of guy that would keep that close to the vest and, and wouldn't let reporters and, and, and the public know that. Right. But I'm actually the opposite opinion. Like, I think the play calling is such a detriment that, that I really think if Carson was just out there wheeling and dealing and calling his own plays, you know, uh, you know, on, on every given play, the advantage that he would gain just by being up at the line of scrimmage with 20 seconds left on the play clock would be significant because whether I'm right or wrong, I believe Carson to be football smart. And I, and I do believe because he has demonstrated it. I mean, more so when there's balance, you know, in the attack and the Eagles are dictating, as an offense, what's going to happen instead of being dictated to. And I think Carson really struggles in the latter there, but when he's able to dictate, when he's able to call runs, when he's able to get out of the pocket, you know, and when he's able to change a run play into a pass, you know, the couple of things have been sorely missing in the Eagles offensive game plan since Frank left. And I'm not trying to, you know, harp on the whole Frank's not here stuff, but remember when Frank was here, it seemed like, Every week against every opponent, something was schemed where he said, wow, they saw something in the film room this week, and we just exploited the crap out of that for seven mm -hmm. or for a huge first down when we needed it or to, to jump out to an early 7 nothing or 10 nothing lead. That's been sorely missing since Frank left, and it's hard for me to believe, you know, the third season now, the same thing since he's been gone, that, yeah. that that's 
It has been, but then, but then it's it's odd because then you'll have games like the Giants where the first drive they go right down the field and score, and then the offense stalls out. So it's it's hard to know exactly what's going on. You you got something on the Sixers for me too? Yeah, I, I did. Like what what I thought is really curious, and I'd love to hear your opinions on this. The the, the management groups, the the GMs, the front offices of the, of the big four teams here in the city. I can't believe the 180 I've done in, in, in the last 10 months. I, I can't believe that I'm completely out on the Eagles front office. I'm completely out on the Phillies front office. And I'm all in with the Flyers and Sixers in terms of the front office. And the excitement that I have for those two franchises compared to the excitement I have for the other two, GK, if that was a prop bet, I'd have lost, you know, everything that I made this year. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what your feeling is on it, but I'm absolutely amazed at the difference 11 months has made. It's been amazing, Paul. I appreciate the call, man. Thanks. It, I, I mean, Josh Harris, and this is not something I thought I'd be saying a few weeks ago. Josh Harris deserves an insane amount of credit. Like, um, what he has done to totally change the opinion of him in this town the opinion of that organization, the opinion of that organization and their future is incredible where they were locked on Mike D'Antoni and they were locked on Elton Brand hiring a few guys and, and running the show in this front office. And if they had done that, I don't know. I, I wouldn't have excited anybody. I don't think it would have been the worst thing in the world. But Doc Rivers becomes available, scraps that plan. We're going to hire Doc Rivers. He's the best guy. Doc Rivers hires a tremendous staff. Um, with Dave Yeager and Sam Cassell and a bunch of guys with a ton of experience. Daryl Morey becomes available. Scrap that plan. Um, and Elton Brand deserves credit in this regard, too, for, you know, being amenable to this and understanding what's best for the franchise. Go get Daryl uh, Morey. He comes in, he'll work with Doc Rivers. They'll look to rebuild the team. So Josh Harris has done a great job. And, yeah, I, I have a ton of confidence in where the Sixers are headed. I, I, I don't know. I don't know how you couldn't at this point. 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494. Ray in Morristown, see you there. You'll be first right after the break. Um, so we'll talk about Carson Wentz. I want to know how you assess his play this year. What grade would you give him? I would say a D. Uh, and we talked about the the coaching staff on that side of the ball. I'll give them a grade as well um, when we get back. 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly. Uh, with you till 6. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494. How excited are you to watch the games on Sunday? I, I'm, I, I do enjoy the bye week in that regard. I like a stress-free Sunday. I'm with you, Kyle. I heard you and uh, Jolly talking about this. I'm with you. It takes energy watching an Eagles game. It does. It dude. does. Yeah, I, Absolutely. Can't, I don't sit down, like, ever. I remember when I went to... Uh, when I went to college and, like, you know, I met a bunch of people, I guess, from, like, the Pittsburgh area or whatever, and, like, I went to their house and, like, the Eagles game was on, and they're like, what, like, like what's wrong with this guy? Like, I was literally, like, I, I was pacing back and forth, like, screaming, like, my friends, like, that was, like, when they first met me, and they're like, this dude's, like, actually insane. Yeah. So, it'll be nice to have a stress-free Sunday, and I guess, are, are you off the rest of the day Sunday? Uh, yeah. Wow. I'm, I'm done. After, uh... Yeah, after this shift, and all then right. then go back for the morning show. So I'll have an early night, but I'll probably be able to watch all the games. Yeah. yeah so you're, I mean, you're basically in just a couple hours after me. Yeah. Because uh, you'll you'll be in around four. I'm yeah. in at like two. So. Yeah. All right. 
There you go. Um, so yeah, I've been doing this thing where I go home. I you know I can't just go to sleep after a show. Yeah. Uh, oh, you so told me about this. I've yeah. been watching the Red Zone in fast forward mode. It's not bad. I I don't know. I might not be able to do it. Tomorrow. I considered it last week, and I was like, I'm not doing it. Yeah. So I I need like uh I don't know. I need to hear Scott. I need to see what the what the announcers <laughs> are talking about. Like if it's just going, like yeah, you get the play, but sometimes I like to hear the hear the people talking. Yeah, yeah, I get I, I get you there. Uh, but we will go through our week nine preview a little later on. I do have a, a I have a, I, I said I was going to be done with the money line parlays or or look go away from that for a little bit, but I have one today that I really do not think can lose. A money line parlay. A money line parlay. Three team money line parlay. Okay. It's about even money. So it's not like mm. you're making a great um amount, right, so right, to speak. Right. Yeah, but, I like parlays with with massive returns. Right. Well, but those are your your odds of winning. <laughs> yeah, it's not good yeah, for sure. I'm I'm like a plus 900 type of guy. Right. I I'm just <laughs> I I'm on a bad streak, so I'm just looking for for a win here. You need anything. I, I had that my last one was I had that under on Giants Bucks Monday night that looked like it was a clear under all oh, game long, man. and then just Ooh. a terrible beat at the end. Yeah, that's rough. I think I had uh, I had the Giants cover in that game. Oh, there you go. So. Uh, but I have a three team money line parlay that I truly do not. I'll be stunned if it loses. Stunned. Um, and then one pick of the week with the spread that I'll give out as well. All right. So we'll we'll see how my picks do. Um, based on my uh, luck lately, I would advise you to fade me and go against my picks. But. And I am still the opposite from, from last week. I'm still I'm still really hot. Kyle's red hot, so we'll get his picks as well, um, and we'll have a college football recap as well, which, Kyle, you told me you didn't have a bad day on the college. Stuff, oh, I had so. a great day on the nice. college. Yeah. Nice. So uh, we'll, we'll do that in a little bit as well. 215-592-9494. Uh, things you expect from the Eagles in the second half. If you want to uh, give a, a grade on any um, unit, any player on the team, you're welcome to. We'll be doing this over the next couple nights. Um, uh, we've done Carson Wentz so far. I give him a D. I, I think it's been below average play, and uh, if he keeps playing this way, this team's not going to have much of a chance. 215-592-9494. Let's go to Ray in Morristown. What's up, Ray? TK, how you doing this morning? Good. How you doing, man? Uh, I agree with you, man. It's just like I don't need the anxiety this week. It's good to have a week off in football, at least from Eagles football, you know, and it's just it used to be a time when you enjoyed it. You know, you had the COVID all year, so you're just really looking forward to uh, football season. And I just kind of knew during the off season that, you know, they haven't made, made the kind of moves that it's going to really take. But you're still excited about the season starting. It was something fresh, and it's sports. Is a distraction from everything that was going on in the world. And then they just, once again, for the third season in a row, start off slow. And to me, you want to start talking about assessing grades. You got to give Coach Peterson, you got to give Doug like a C minus, like a D. I mean, because you're, this is the third year. I could see, you know, TK, you could say, well, the team that had injuries, okay, you know. But this is three years in a row that your team has started off really, really abysmally slow. And it's just like, how do you continue to do that? To me, that's lack of preparation. The team's not ready on game day. They're not good enough. They're injured all the time. You've seen a, a repetitive cycle of this. You've got to start making some changes. You bring in a new a medical staff. You bring in new trainers. Whatever you need to do, you've got to take a look at why do you have all these 
soft tissue injuries year in and year out. Why is it that your team is constantly starting from behind uh, and, and they don't start playing football till the second half of the season for the last three years? Why is it that your quarterback is regressing after five years of playing professional football? I mean, Carson has been a turnover machine. He's either fumbling the ball or throwing interceptions, and this has been going on uh, ever since 2018. He is not doing a great job coaching this team. At the end of the day, Carson Wentz, if he's failing, that's on you as a coach. You need to have the wherewithal to say, "You look, Carson, this is year three since you've come back from your injury and you're not looking good. Let's sit down and figure out what's going on here. I don't know whether they've had that conversation or not. Yeah, I'm thinking no, during right. this offseason, TK, I mean, during the bye week, they needed some extra reps. I wouldn't give them too much extra time off. They need to uh, be out there playing for a couple extra days. Yeah, right. I'd agree with that partially. As far as the bye week thing, I mean, I think that's a way to lose your players pretty quick. Well, to, I'm not saying you know, work them, you know, like like you know Seth Joyner would do, but I'm just right. saying give give let them say. It. And hopefully, you would think, you know, your your quarterback's supposed to be a leader. I've I've said consistently about Carson. We are seeing things. They have handled Carson with kids' gloves. They ran Nick Foles out of town because Carson wasn't stable enough to deal with having a, a winning quarterback on the roster. They have done so many things. To, to placate Carson, it's just apparent. We're still talking about this guy five years into it. He's not good enough. Yeah. We're still asking the questions, is he good enough? He's obviously not good enough. And I'm not saying you, 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 you start the rookie, but all I'm saying is he needs to be out there hustling for his position just like everybody else. If you benched him for a half, okay, so be it. So right. I, don't, I don't see where he's above so uh, everybody else on the team. So Ray, the culpability for for Wentz's play, wh- where do you put that? Do you put it more on Carson Wentz or do you put it more on Doug? Well, Carson Wentz is stinking up the joint for some reason over the last couple of seasons. That is on him, but at the end of the day, coach is responsible for all the players on his roster. So after 3 years of seeing the same inconsistencies, Carson's still overthrowing players. He's still fumbling the ball. He's still uh, you know, throwing interceptions. He has a lot of inconsistencies in his game year five. These are not things that you expect in a, in a seasoned veteran quarterback at this point. A hundred million plus dollar quarterback? You don't expect to see this kind of a play out of a guy making seven figures. So my question is, what is the coach doing to, to recognize, yes, this player is not playing up to his potential. He's got some issues, not playing well. It's my job to sit down with this player or have the other coaches sit down with him and figure out what the heck's going on. Yes, yeah. it's, it's, bo- it's on both those guys. Carson's going to – it's just like you have a son. You have kids. You have kids that are – you know, they're doing things. Now, the child uh, is responsible for his behavior, but at the end of the day, as a parent, it's up to you to say, hey, take a step back. So-and-so, you're doing something wrong, little Johnny. And I'm going to have to sit down with you and figure this out and see why it is that you're doing this and get you to right. stop this behavior. No, I hear you, Ray, and it's a good question. And, and you know, um, it, it is the million-dollar question. Now, I don't have kids yet. I'll have a kid in, well, like, four months or something like that. Um, well, about four months. It, it, it is four months. I don't want my wife to hear me you say better something. better get it right. Yeah, dude. yeah. I, uh, she would not be happy if she heard those comments. Uh, four, a little less than four months. But um, it is the real question of who is to blame more for Carson Wentz's struggles? Is it Doug or is it Carson? Like, um, I put it more 
on Carson because of his age. Like, when you're in your fifth year, and I'm not saying no culpability goes on the coaching staff, because we'll talk about the coaching staff next segment, but I do think that a, a lot of it does have to go on the on the quarterback himself uh, for some of these bad decisions. 215-592-9494, 215-592-9494. Um, we'll talk a little more about Doug and the coaching staff when we get back. I'm Tom Kelly, with you till 6, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.